The GX on Agriculture podcast is brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. When you're in the market for a new Ford, stop by Future Ford for a great selection of new and used vehicles. GX on Agriculture with Doug Falconer. Good afternoon and welcome to GX on Agriculture. Coming up on today's program, farmers are being advised to make sure their farm insurance is up to date. We'll hear from Blair McClinton. He's the farm segment director for SGI Canada. Timing is working in favor of feedlots these days. Even with rising prices, consumers still want the beef and the packers are paying a good dollar for it. We'll hear from Ann Wasco, who is an analyst with Gateway Livestock. Michael Wilton of Mercantile Consulting Venture in Winnipeg will join us once again for his weekly overview of the wheat market. All of those stories and much more coming up on today's edition of GX on Agriculture. Welcome back to GX on Agriculture. Farmers are being advised to make sure their farm insurance is up to date. Farm equipment and outbuildings have been appreciating in value recently, and replacing them in the event of a loss could become costly for those who don't have proper insurance. Blair McClinton is the farm segment director for SGI Canada. Well, we could see farmers farmers insuring property at almost any time of year, but it's not unusual for for farms to have bought new equipment, uh, you know, whether it's new or used, you know, over uh, over the winter months and and having it delivered in in spring. Uh, so there there's. Uh, there's lots of changes happening on farms, and they happen uh, throughout the year. He says the first step is to make sure your outbuildings and equipment are properly valued. Every year, you know, a farmer should have have a meeting with their broker uh, and and go over everything that's on their policy and checking to see if the limits are uh, are correct for for buildings or machinery that are on the on the policy and and in the last uh and it's last few years it's become even more more important to uh to to check this because as everyone's probably aware there we've had issues with inflation over the last few years much higher than than in pa- in past years and certain things like uh, steel it particularly has gone up in price uh, even higher than the average rate of inflation. So, you know, whether it's machinery or uh, grain bins or steel buildings, they've all gone up much higher than than the average rate of inflation. Uh, but everything uh, on a policy should be looked at for its for its values on a on a regular on a regular basis. McClinton has his theories on why costs of machinery and outbuildings are going up. Well, there's a number of things that can drive what happens in the market. So, uh, supply chain issues have certainly been there uh, over the last uh, couple of years. Uh, and, you know, I think they're maybe improving uh, somewhat, but I don't know that they're entirely cleared up. Uh, so we can see, you know, used equipment uh, uh, appreciating in value. And so that that's another thing reason why you need to really look at what is the value of that particular equipment like even if it's a a 10 year old piece of machinery you might need to go 
check with the dealer. What is what is a 20, uh, 2013 uh, John Deere tractor? You know, worth now. You know, what would it? What would its? What would its retail price be for? And then take that in and and use that. You know, and have that discussion with your broker to ensure that you know you've got the right value in place for your uh, for your uh, machinery. Or, or, and, and you can do the same thing with, with buildings. You, if you've got green bins on your farm and you, and you go to the local retail outlet that sells, sells bins and you check with them, what is, what is a 10,000 bushel hopper bottom must steel bin worth and get a price for that and then see how that compares with the prices showing on your, on your, uh, policy. But those, that type of information you can take in and you can, you can talk to your broker. He can tell you what types of coverage that you have on your policy and what your coverage options are. And they may even tell you, talk to you about some things that there may be some gaps in your coverage that things that you maybe were thinking of insuring. Like sometimes a lot of farms don't insure their livestock and, they have a, and that's the main value on their farmers, their livestock. So there, there sometimes are gaps that uh, the brokers can help farmers uh, work through and help them make decisions about what to insure or, or, or not if the, if the farmer decides to, to not insure something. He says it's never too late to get your insurance policy upgraded. Have a good meeting with your broker at least at, at when you're renewing your policy, and. Anytime you make a change, like anytime you have new, you add or machinery or get rid of machinery or, or buildings, anytime you have a change, you should, uh, you should be talking to your broker to make sure your policy is updated. And McClinton had these final thoughts. The number one thing that uh, we want to tell our customers is make sure you meet and discuss your particular situation with your broker on a regular basis and make sure you and work to with them to ensure that your policy is kept up to date. Blair McClinton is the farm segment director for SGI Canada. It's time now for the Ag Review portion of our program and that's a presentation of New Era Ag Technologies in Swan River. GX94 Ag Review After covering bearish bets for four straight weeks, managed money fund traders were back on the sell side of the canola market in late April, covering longs and putting on new short positions. According to the latest Commitments of Traders report from the U.S. Commodity Futures Trading Commission, as of April 25th, the net managed money short position in canola futures came in at 51,925 contracts, an increase of about 7,000 contracts from the previous week. Open interest in the canola market came in at 257,170 contracts on April 25th, down about 14,600 from the previous week. At the Chicago Board of Trade, fund traders were holding a net long of about 87,300 contracts in soybeans, which was down sharply from the previous week, as traders liquidated 38,500 longs and put on nearly 10,000 new shorts. The Vancouver Fraser Port Authority says cargo volumes fell by 3% last year at Canada's largest port. The Port Authority says a sputtering start to 2022, caused by a weak harvest the year prior, 
and supply chain problems could not be overcome despite surging grain and fertilizer exports late last year. Port Authority CEO Robin Sylvester says imports also fell by 4% amid softer consumer demand and overstocked inventories. But Sylvester says more capacity at the port is still desperately needed due to rising trade and population forecasts necessitating the Roberts Bank Terminal 2 project that received federal cabinet approval last month. The Canadian Food Inspection Agency has confirmed it has discovered the presence of highly pathogenic avian flu, better known as H5N1, at a commercial poultry operation in B.C. The agency says it will now set up additional primary control zones as needed around the infected zone, currently centered around the communities of Yarrow and Barrowtown, 90 kilometers east of Vancouver. Since an outbreak began in 2022, H5N1 has forced farms in B.C. and across Canada to cull millions of birds when an infection is found. In March, B.C.'s Ministry of Agriculture says it found eight dead skunks in Vancouver and nearby Richmond, B.C., that tested positive for H5N1. Mechanics, intermodal and clerical workers at CN Rail, who were on the brink of striking in March, have voted to ratify the agreements that kept them off the picket line. Unifor, which represents about 3,000 CN employees, says its members voted to ratify four new two-year collective bargaining agreements, taking them through to December 31st, 2024. The four agreements cover members of CN's Unifor Local 100, which represents skilled trades and mechanical shops, and Council 4000, which represents intermodal, clerical and mechanical workers, and excavator operators. Unifor says its national bargaining committees had been in negotiations with CN since last October, leading up to their previous contract's expiry at the end of December 2022. A deal in principle has been struck to allow transit of Ukrainian grain to resume through five European Union countries that had imposed restrictions. Bulgaria, Hungary, Poland, Romania and Slovakia expressed concerns that grain from Ukraine meant to be exported to other countries had ended up in their local markets, which was pushing down prices for local farmers. The European Commission says the deal included safeguard measures for four products, wheat, maize, rapeseed and sunflower seed. The deal also includes a support package worth 100 million euros for local farmers. And a fire at a fertilizer plant in O'Leary, Prince Edward Island is under investigation. The local fire department was alerted to the fire at Cavendish Agri-Services late last night. Crews from surrounding communities were also called to the scene. No injuries were reported, and the extent of the damage to the building is not yet known. And be sure to listen to the latest GX on Agriculture podcast. It's brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. And that's the Ag Review portion of our program. Please stay tuned. GX on Agriculture will return in one minute's time. Welcome back to GX on Agriculture. I'm Doug Falconer. It's sunny and 17 degrees in the Yorkton-Melville region. 
I'll have your complete weather details coming up at the top of the hour. Federal Agriculture Minister Marie-Claude Bibeau has wrapped up a one-week trade mission to Japan and Singapore. The mission underscored one of the Government of Canada's top priorities under the Indo-Pacific strategy to expand partnerships and trade relationships in the region. In Japan, Minister Bibo met with key Japanese agri-food stakeholders, Canadian industry associations, and Canadian businesses in Tokyo to highlight the economic relationship between Canada and Japan and to discuss increasing trade and investment ties in the region. Minister Bibo also participated in the G7 Agriculture Minister's meeting, where she discussed with her counterparts net zero initiatives, sustainable agriculture, resilient agricultural systems, and food security. While in Singapore, Minister Bibo attended the Food and Hotel Asia trade show with Alvin Tan, Singapore's Minister of State for Trade and Industry. During the opening ceremony, she highlighted Canadian exporters as well as their high-quality products and the refreshed Canada brand that helps Canada stand out in increasingly crowded and competitive global marketplaces. Meanwhile, timing is working in favor of feedlots these days. Even with rising prices, consumers want the beef and the packers are paying a good dollar for it. Ann Wasco is an analyst with Gateway Livestock. So this is that time of year where demand for grilling products is very strong, especially south of the border. You're going to see more cattle come forward as we get into in, in May and June, and so kills will pick up. But uh, the packer is uh, doing just fine, thank you very much, and so he's willing to certainly keep processing cattle even at these higher costs because he's turning around and selling it for a higher wholesale price. Canfax reports 9,113 head of Saskatchewan feeder cattle were sold during the final week of April, about 700 more than the previous week. Only one steer weight category saw an average price decline, and that was 900 pounds and over. Eight to nine steers had the best showing with an average bid of 267.17. That's up $5.37 from the previous week. The other weight classes were between $0.60 cents and $2.90 higher. Every heifer class posted an increase, led by four to five weights, up $6.50 to average $3.14.20 per hundredweight. Prices for D2 slaughter cows in Alberta increased on average $6.39 from the week prior to average $1.46.25 per hundredweight. D3 slaughter cows were up $4.89 to average $126.60 per hundredweight. It's time now for the livestock market conditions, and they're a presentation of Heartland Livestock in Verdon. A livestock market conditions. U.S. live cattle futures for June closed at 162.90 today. That's down 197. August live cattle closed at 160.95, down 170. August feeder cattle closed at 226.17, down 392. September feeder cattle closed at 229.27, down 380. 
June lean hogs closed at 89.95, up 25. July lean hogs closed at 91.42, up 12. And that's the livestock market conditions. Please stay tuned. GX on Agriculture will be back right after this. Future Ford has been serving the Melville area for over 30 years. They focus on the future. Their staff are ready for what's to come. Ford Tech is changing all the time with new vehicle technology like EV, self-driving, and more. Get ready to drive into the future. Why? Because the future is Future Ford. Welcome back to GX on Agriculture. Michael Wilton of Mercantile Consulting Venture has provided his weekly overview of the wheat market. It was issued through the Saskatchewan Wheat Development Commission. Rain in the driest parts of the U.S. Plains and the Stats Canada wheat acreage number at well above expectations sent weekly futures sharply lower despite Friday's bounce. In the significant purchases and trades last week, Tunisia bought 75,000 tons of wheat at $304.80 a bushel for June-July delivery. Reports suggest Iraq bought 150,000 tons of Australian wheat around $387 a bushel. Algeria bought an unknown volume of wheat to its small ports at around $296 a bushel for various May-July positions. U.S. export sales of 156,000 tons left the season total at 687 million bushels, down 3% from last year. In some of the biggest news that happened in the week, we're going to start in Canada, where the big news item was the Statistics Canada Projected Acreage Report. The report was disappointingly based on December 15th through January 14th survey, instead of the traditional March grower survey. We're concerned that the timing of the survey impacted the quality and reliability of the projections. Statistics Canada put Canadian total wheat area at 27 million acres. This would be a 6% increase from last year and the largest all-wheat area since 2001. Spring wheat area was put at 19.4 million acres, up 8% from last year, while winter wheat area was up at 1.5 million acres, which is 13% more than last year. Stats Canada's seeded acre number for spring wheat is close to our estimate, but we are skeptical that the winter wheat area will be up by the full 13%. If realized, higher seeded area and a return to trend yields would increase non-Durham wheat production in Canada by 6% to just under 30 million tonnes. A 30 million tonne wheat crop would cause total supply in Canada to rise to 33.8 million tonnes, which is 5% more volume than last year and the largest level since the 2020-21 season. The AAFC is currently thinking that exports in the upcoming season will be unchanged at 19.6 million tonnes, and domestic use will be 30% higher at 8.1 million tonnes. If this is all true, ending stocks would grow by over 40% to a large 5.7 million tonnes. Exports in week 38 were large, at 499.1 thousand tonnes. This makes for a season total of 14.7 million tonnes, which is 76% more than last year. Canada needs to export an average of 340,000 tonnes of wheat per week for the remainder of the marketing year 
to meet the AAFC's 19.6 million ton export projection. Some seeding progress in Alberta has begun, and fieldwork will likely begin in localized areas of Manitoba and Saskatchewan this week. It seems like, however, seeding will only begin in earnest in the second week of May. For Durham, Statistics Canada is expecting that seeded area in Canada will increase by 1% from last year to 6.1 million acres. This is largely in line with our expectations. Statistics Canada thinks that a 5% decline in seeded area in Alberta will be offset by a 3% increase in seeded area in Saskatchewan. Trend yields would result in Durham production in Canada to increase by 7% from last year to 5.8 million tonnes. A crop of this size would cause Durham supply to be 5% higher year over year. This is not burdensome, but would require exports to be higher than the AAFC's current 4.4 million ton projection. This reflects a 8% decrease in exports from the current year. Durham exports in week 38 were 185,000 tons for a season total of 4 million tons. The AAFC did not raise their 2022-23 export projection for Durham in their recent update, which we think is a miss. To meet the AAFC's 4.8 million ton export number, Canada only needs to ship 800,000 tons of Durham in the remaining 14 weeks of the marketing year. Almost 500,000 tons of this has already been delivered into the Canadian elevator system. We are sold out of old crop Durham and have sold 40% of expected new crop Durham production. In the US, the condition of the U.S. winter wheat crop fell by another percentage point over the week to 26% good to excellent. 18% of the crop has headed. Substantial rain fell on a large swath of the U.S. winter wheat belt. The rain was likely too late to make a significant impact on the condition of the crop. On the contrary, some think that rain could increase abandonment as soil moisture conditions are conducive to plant other crops. U.S. wheat sales were small at 156,000 tons compared to the 75 to 400,000 tons that the trade was expecting. Total commitments are now 687 million bushels, which, considering the usual 100 million bushel discrepancy between sales data and the Census Bureau data, means that the U.S. has effectively committed the full total amount that the USDA was predicting. So the U.S. has an opportunity to surpass the USDA's number as there are still six weeks remaining in the U.S. wheat marketing year. Total new crop wheat sales are just 37 million bushels, compared to 83 million bushels this time last year. There is a chance that new crop sales will pick up, as soft red winter wheat futures are the cheapest in the world on a FOB basis. In Australia, the USDA attaché in Australia is forecasting that wheat production in the country will be 29 million tonnes, down by over 10 million tonnes from last year's record wheat crop. The decrease is largely driven by lower yield, as seeded area is only expected to be 2% less than last year. Soil moisture conditions in the wheat growing areas are currently strong, but the critical rainfall period is from August to September and the Australian government is predicting limited rains in late autumn and early winter. The USDA attaché in Australia has exports for the upcoming season at 24 million tonnes, compared to 30.5 million tonnes in the current year. Ending stocks were put at 2.1 million tonnes 
compared to 4.3 million tons last year. In Argentina, rain remains absent in Argentina. The USDA attaché is forecasting wheat harvest area will be 6.5 million hectares and will produce 19.5 million tons of crop. They note, however, that if rain does not come, seeded area could fall by another million hectares, and yield would be smaller than the current forecasts. In India, the Indian government has procured 19.5 million tons of wheat so far. This is up from 18.8 million tons at the same time last year. The government is hoping to buy 34.2 million tons of wheat, but some analysts think they are overestimating production and only 30 million tons will be able to be sourced. In the European Union, the EU Commission increased their estimate for EU wheat ending stocks by 1.5 million tons to a large 20.1 million tons. This compares the, to the USDA's current 12 million ton number. The increase in ending stocks is driven by poor export performance and higher imports. The EU Commission lowered their estimate for the upcoming wheat crop by 700,000 tons to 130.2 million tons, up 3% from last year. The decrease was driven by lower production in the drought-stricken Spain. Aside from Spain, most of the EU wheat crop is in excellent condition. French wheat crop ratings improved by another point to 94% good to excellent. This compares to 91% the same time last year. This is the strongest condition rating for this time of year since 2011. The French wheat harvest is expected to be 2% larger than last year at 34.3 million tons. The EU Commission is expecting that exports in the upcoming season will be 32 million tons, which is 1 million tons more than the current year. And in the Black Sea, analysts have Ukraine's wheat crop for the upcoming season at 16 to 20 million tons, which would reflect a 15 to 20 percent decline in production. Exports are seen falling by 25 to 35 percent. Ukraine's export potential beyond this summer is unknown, with the possible closure of the Black Sea Trade Corridor and Eastern EU countries becoming increasingly hostile to Ukrainian imports. However, the European Commission said on Friday it had reached a deal in principle to allow the transit of Ukrainian grain to resume through the five EU countries that had imposed restrictions. And of course, the war continues in Ukraine. Uh, an oil depot is on fire in Stavispol, Crimea, after what is likely a Ukrainian drone attack. Ukraine is warning Crimean residents to stay away from Russian military facilities ahead of an anticipated counteroffensive. As for the outlook, the trade will be watching for the impact of the rain in the southern plains. But questions about plantings and moisture in Argentina and Australia are offset by large wheat stocks in the EU and Russia that will carry in a new crop and cushion potential weather problems throughout the year. The Ukrainian export potential for the summer forward depends on the results of EU and Russian politics. The wheat market remains volatile and caught in politics. We're sold out of old crop and will wait before selling additional volumes of new crop. That's Michael Wilton of Mercantile Consulting Venture in Winnipeg. Commodities Update. Canola futures closed up across the board today. July canola closed at 709.40, up 
$4.80. November canola closed at $6.83.40, up $0.80. Cents. July Minneapolis wheat closed at $7.73.5. That's down $0.17.5. Cents. July Kansas City wheat closed at $7.40.25, down $0.17. Cents. July Chicago wheat closed at 6.09 and a quarter down 9 cents July corn closed at 5.80 per bushel down 4 and a half cents July soybeans closed at 14.10 and 3 quarters down 16 and 3 quarters of a cent July oats closed at 3.02 and a half down 2 and a quarter cents and that's the commodities update Please stay tuned. GX on Agriculture will return right after this. On five. Farm Bulletin Board. Are you a private landowner who owns 500 acres or more of grazing land? Then the Saskatchewan Stock Growers Association wants to hear from you. They want you to take a survey that will explore understanding perceptions and interest in carbon opportunities and ecological goods and services across the Canadian prairies. Responses will be anonymous and grouped to your larger region for protection of privacy and you will receive $50 as a thank you for your participation. If you'd like to take part you can just go to this website www.fuseconsulting.ca slash take the survey. And, of course, just go ahead and complete the survey. That's where you can find it. The Bayer Crop Science Opportunity Scholarship Program is available to graduating grade 12 students entering their first year of post-secondary education in agriculture, food science, or a culinary program at a Canadian university or college of their choice in the fall of 2023. Scholarships will be awarded to students based on demonstrated academic achievement, leadership in their community, and their vision for how they will contribute to Canadian agriculture in the future. The application deadline is June 8th. To apply, students can go to www.cropscience.bayer.ca slash our-company slash scholarship information to review the program guidelines and connect to Scholarship Partners Canada, which is a division of Universities Canada, who serve as the independent administrator for the Bayer Crop Science Opportunity Scholarship Program. If you know of a student planning to pursue studies in agriculture or a food-related discipline of study, encourage them to apply today. Farm Credit Canada is now accepting applications from registered charities, nonprofit organizations, and First Nations, Métis, or Inuit governments and communities in rural Canada for the FCC AgriSpirit Fund. The fund will award $1.5 million in funding this year. The application deadline is May 15th, and FCC will announce the selected projects in September. Applicants can view the eligibility requirements, past projects, and apply online by visiting www.fccagraspiritfund.ca. 
For the past 19 years, FCC has awarded rural community groups between $5,000 and $25,000 in FCC AgriSpirit funding for various community improvement initiatives. This year, the fund will once again support capital projects that enrich the lives of residents in cities, towns, or indigenous communities with fewer than 150,000 people. Examples include refrigeration and equipment to support food waste reduction and recovery, construction of community buildings or improvements or upgrades that reduce a building's energy footprint, greenhouses and community gardens, and various other agriculture and food-related initiatives in rural communities. Since inception of the FCC AgriSpirit Fund in 2004, FCC has supported 1,529 capital projects in rural Canada, totaling $19.5 million in donations. And that's all the time we have for today's Farm Bulletin Board. It's now 1 o'clock in Saskatchewan, 2 o'clock in Manitoba. Time to check the GX94 Precision Weather Forecast. For the Quill Lakes, Hudson Bay, Swan River, Broadview, Mooseman, Indian Head, and Yorkton, Melville, Roblin, Russell regions today. Sunny skies, winds southwest at 15 to 25, and a high of 22 degrees. For tonight, clear to partly cloudy, winds south-southwest at 10 to 20, a low of 7. For tomorrow, mainly sunny, winds north-northeast at 10 to 20, a high of 24 with an overnight low of 5. For Thursday, sunny, winds east-northeast at 10 to 20, a high of 22. Friday, partly sunny, a high of 17. And Saturday, increasing cloud with a 30% chance of late showers, a high of 16. In the Paw, it's 20 degrees. Swan River is at 19. Dauphin, 18. Brandon, Show Lake Russell, 15. Roblin, 17. Regina and Winyard Wadena Kelvington reporting in at 19. Saskatoon 22, Hudson Bay 20, Broadview Mooseman 17, Indian Head 18. The Yorkton-Melville region has a sunny sky, a south-southwest wind at 24, gusting to 35 kilometers an hour. 20% is the relative humidity. The temperature is 17 degrees. That's your agriculture weather, and that'll do it for GX on Agriculture for today. Be sure to tune in again tomorrow at 12.15 Saskatchewan time for another edition of the program. It's time now for the news and sports headlines. The GX on Agriculture podcast has been brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. Future Ford is your automotive expert. From sales to service, they're the ones you can trust to get rolling again sooner.